I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. All right, everyone, shut up. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Jonathan. He has penile cancer. Yeesh. Let's talk about it. Uh, I'm going to start this off by saying one thing. First of all, I'll say hello Jonathan. Do you like Jonathan or John? I don't mind. You can call me either. Probably, most people call me John. Let's go with that. All right, John. uh, John Little. uh, First of all, hello. Secondly, I am probably more nervous to talk to you about what it is we're going to be talking about today than I've ever been (laughs) to talk about anything with anyone we've ever had on the show because I, I, I get real tangible phantom pain when reading stories that we get submitted to the show. And, uh, and I've never gotten more, more like deep seated phantom discomfort and pain than I, than I have after reading what we are going to be diving into today. (laughs) And I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who own penises who will sympathize with what I'm saying and with what you're about to talk about. Uh, John Little, we are talking about something I didn't even really knew existed, penile cancer. How about that? It's, um, yeah, it was a surprise to me too. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> I, I also had no idea. Yeah, it was a serious <laughs> surprise to me actually. Did you I, know? Did you know that it existed? Uh, no, not until I uh, not until I got on Google, um, and that that leads you down a whole new le- world of pain as soon as you get searching on the internet for things. I mean, g- going to Google to f- to learn about any kind of diagnosis is like generally a fucking horrible <laughs> idea, but to to go to Google and read about penile cancer, I. I cannot even begin to fathom how uh, horrifying that moment must have been. I, I guess, I, like, for I, I feel like there's so much that I want to ask, but but I but I don't know how to go there. So, how about you guide us, John, uh, by I guess giving us a little bit of the the backstory into how you ended up finding out that you had. Um, what sounds like the most horrifying cancer of all time. <laughs> so, so there I was. I was on a long, long-ish road trip. My, uh, my family had gone ahead. We are going to to Pepper Pig World or something. And um, I'd been a few hours in the car. And I started to get this unbearable itch in the head of my penis, which is, um, yeah, uncomfortable at the best of times. But it was unusual, you know, really unbearable itch. Like, uh, you know, mm. like I was walking around with sandpaper. And 
By the time I got to the hotel, I know four or five oh. hours. Are you talking like the itch? Are you talking about an itch it, like internally, like inside the pee hole, or are you talking like a like you know itch. like an yeah top like right itch on the head of you, like right on the surface? Yeah, right. so, yeah, like on the surface of the pee. So at the time, I was uncircumcised, right? So underneath my foreskin, there was this unbearable itch, and huh, foreshadowing. I couldn't really tell what it was but it felt like it was leaking i thought oh this is weird so four or five hours later i get to the hotel and of course i go and investigate and the inside of my pants if you like the inside of them was was filled with this kind of glossy thick smelly fluid right and it had happened in kind of no time oh wow it it just happened that day my foreskin got really thick so uh, imagine it like a, like a saveloy. Do you have saveloys in Canada? Like a saveloy sausage that's tied on each end. Yeah, and my foreskin had gone really tight and thick. Oh, sausage, say no more. Yeah, like, like saveloy. <laughs> Uh, not that color, but yeah, it's like that. I have to, I have to Google, I have to Google saveloy. Savo- how, how do you spell that? S-A-V-E-L-O-Y? Is that yeah, the, savaloy. the spelling of saveloy? Saveloy sausage. Um, I'm gonna I gotta bring up an Im- image here to, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a, it just looks like a giant wiener. Yeah. I just I just I just imagine like like uh, John. It sounds like you're it sounds like you're married, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just imagining you on a road trip, and all of a sudden your 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 penis is really itchy, <laughs> and then having to explain to your wife why you might yeah, have a right. really itchy well, day. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, and there's there's some <laughs> difficult conversations to be had. Clearly. But you know, I went to I went to the toilet and I thought, you know, I need to I need to check this out. I need to need to see what this is. And yeah, it was all swollen and there was a lump underneath and it was kind of misshapen and it was venting this fluid. And I thought, this is kind of really unusual. Oh my god! And over the weekend and the next couple of days, it got progressively worse and worse until pretty much all day, it just vented this, you know, horrible, smelly kind of fluid. So, so you know, it, I went to the doctor. Um, as many people know, in the UK, we have entirely socialised medicine. So you go and see your doctor, you go and see the NHS guy, and, mm-hmm. the, you know... He didn't really know what it was, so he gave me a couple of creams. He said, oh, well, you know, what you need to do is you need to sort that foreskin out and we'll, we'll give you some creams and we'll stretch it and it'll be right as rain in no time. Um, and it wasn't. So two weeks went by. I called him back up. I said, it's only got worse. This lump is getting a bit bigger. Um, can you give me a referral to a urologist? And um, I've got private health care, so I don't just use the NHS. I can use my private health care as well which in the UK is really just a way of jumping the queues. It's the same doctor, but it's a nicer room, and, yeah, it's just a way to, to jump the queue. And he wouldn't give me a referral. He said, I'll tell you what you've got to do. You've got to go to a sexual health clinic. I thought, well, <laughs> that's going to be a difficult conversation to have with my wife. Oh, no. And he, and he said, it, it can't be anything else. He said, you know, you're a 40-year-old man. It can't be anything else. Go to a sexual health clinic. So, so I turn up. I turn. Oh my God! Whoa! So he's he's basically telling you that that he thinks it can't be anything but an STD yeah. or an STI. Oh yeah, he's convinced. He's like, oh, it must be that. 
It must be that. You've got to go. And... Holy shit, dude. <laughs> I know, like, I've, got, I've got a one-year-old. Was he, what, but was he saying, what? like, was... What? Was he saying that this looks something like, uh, like gonorrhea or syphilis? Yeah, or, did, yeah. Like, did was he, he saying right? That it did he was give any, like anything in particular? Well, was, he, yeah. was he just no? He didn't. You know, going out on a limb and saying like it can't be anything. But he didn't really know what it was. You know, he's a young locum, so a young sort of temp GP turned up. He's used to dealing with kind of old people or kids with colds. That's sort of most people that use GP surgeries. So. You turn up and they say, oh, you know, we'll give you some cream or we'll give you some antibiotics. Um, and then, so he sent me to this sexual health clinic and I'm thinking, yeah, it's it's impossible. It could not be that. It just couldn't be that. You know, I've got a one-year-old. I don't have time for that shit. And it's it just couldn't be. But he, he would not take no for an answer, right? And so I turn up to this sexual health clinic and it's an amazing place. It really is. It's in the heart of kind of an English new town and um, it's over three floors and you sit in this waiting room and it's packed, pre-COVID, absolutely packed with people. Yet most of all, they had a really good time on the weekend. A few that you think really shouldn't be here, but you know, you, you're, sat, <laughs> you're sat in this place and you're thinking, oh, what the fuck am I doing in this place? And they take you into a little room, and they they you know they give you the whole um, treatment with the with a bit of wire, and they try and get that up the end of their foreskin. And they didn't realise at the time there was a tumour in there, and they couldn't work out why they couldn't get this wire in you know to have a good scrape around. And so another two weeks go back, oh. full spectrum test negative. He said, oh, you know, I I don't know what it is. He said, look, go back to the creams, try those. I'm like, no, mate. Give me a referral to a urologist. I need to go and see somebody who knows what they're doing. So over this period to maybe two months. I, I need to ask about the, uh, the the visit to the clinic. Um, was Because you mentioned that that was going to be a tough conversation to to have with your wife. Did you have to tell her that you were going there or did you sort of keep it under wraps at that point? And we've also had um, uh, people on the podcast who have talked about having phimosis and if you're not familiar with that, it's just really tight foreskin. But but imagining that your foreskin wasn't super tight before then, and all of a sudden it was, it seems like that should be like some type of red flag. Like I'm guessing mm. because we had never heard of penile cancer before that it must be fairly uncommon. But like, isn't that a massive red flag? And also, how did your wife take it? Did you end up yeah, telling her? Yeah, so I... The, about the clinic, yeah. It? So, so I took the kind of path of full disclosure uh, with my wife with everything. Um, it's just easier that way. You, you, yeah, it's just no, my wife. It's just easier that way. Good man. <laughs> so, so I went to. You, know, you, you just had to go, you know, and you had to work out what it what it couldn't be. And I think that was the doctor's way of looking at this. He thought, well, look, nobody. 40 years old gets this thing. I think I was the youngest person in the UK to have it um, in that year, certainly. And nobody gets it. So she just looked at it as part of the process. And yeah, lo and behold, everything came back negative. It could have been different, which would have been embarrassing. But, <laughs> you know, but fortunately, you know, he, you know, he finally, finally referred me to a urologist. Man, that's crazy. 
I, I, this, I, I mean, like it's, it's so wild to think that, um, I mean, I guess, I guess like on one side, I kind of get, I get that a, a GP looking at something like this and, and thinking to themselves like, oh, well, you know, this is, this has the hallmark signs of an STD or some sort of like sexually transmitted infection. It's, you know, we don't typically see men coming in here with like lumps and itchy cocks without it, without it leading to like some sort of like risky night, you know, uh, or a risky behavior. Um, but also like to just, to just kind of pass it off and say, no, I'm not going to give you a referral to a urologist that to me, that just, it, it just, it really points out to the importance. And this is something we've talked about on the podcast, the fucking hundreds and hundreds of times, but like the importance of advocating for your own care, you know, like the importance of really having the wherewithal and the awareness to like put your fucking foot down and speak for the, the care that you, you, you know that you need, right? Because like John, you as the patient in this case in particular, you know, for a fact that unless you had some sort of wild, like, like a sleepwalking (laughs) event where you went down to the, I don't know, like the, like, like, I don't, I don't know London that well. Like, you know, like where do the hookers hang out? Shoreditch? Like, (laughs) you know, you, you went, you went to some place in London that has like a bit, yeah, a bit of a seedy scene where, you know, you had, you had unprotected sex with, with a, an escort, but of course you were asleep the entire time. So you have no fucking idea that this happened. Like, unless that's the case. I just want to say though, Jerry, it could have been John's wife. It, it could oh, be right. John's okay, wife. Okay. You could be un, You could be not a hundred percent sure. It, you, you, right. Brian, actually, you're 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 completely right. But also, that is it. If John knows, but she also just gave birth and she has yeah, a one year old. You know, yeah, so but, like it's after the second one, that ain't happening. I, I was I, I was basically making the point that you know, it is so important that you advocate for yourself because in this moment you knew you knew in your heart of hearts that like this is something this is something outside of some sort of sexually transmitted yeah, thing. Like like you've got. I I remember reading the like in your in your application what you had written, which also this is like nightmare fuel. So just like. TW for anyone out there. (laughs) Um, uh, My foreskin had decided to shrink wrap itself tight. Underneath, there was a little lump about the size of a pea, maybe a fat lentil. A smelly fluid was pouring out, alternating between clear and brown. Like, that is... That seems... I don't know. I've never had an STI, but that seems pretty far gone. Like, you know, like that, that seems pretty... That seems like get me the penis doctor stat. Like I, I don't care. And I don't care about anything else. I just need the penis but also, detective. Uh, other cancers aren't itchy either. <laughs> no, and uh, yeah, I should probably be a screenwriter, shouldn't I? With prose like that, uh, <laughs> it's a really unusual situation. And you, know, you, you go to Google and you search it, and you think, oh, uh, smelly fluid knob, uh, lump knob. Uh, itchy knob, and it'll come up with all these different things, balanitis and phimosis and all these kinds of things. And then you get down the list and you think cancer. Now, I'm not going to click on that, and I'm, I'm going to ignore that. Um, 
Let, let's just wait and see the urologist. And, of course, after the event, you look at all those things and it can only be that. You know, it, it can only be cancer with those, mm-hmm. you know, with those symptoms. And, yeah, seeing the urologist, yeah. after I'd finally managed to, to get a... Um, to get an appointment with this guy and you know it's, it's just the kind of archaic nature of our system that everybody sends a letter and then it takes a week for somebody's secretary to open it and then you know you come back and like oh yeah I can see him in a month so I go and see this guy and I've kind of moved on to my private healthcare at this point so everything's getting paid for I've taken control of my journey so I've I've taken it out of the hands of doctors guessing and I've decided that I'm going to take control of this journey. I'll get the best people to look after me and see what happens. So I go and see this guy, Jim Adshed, brilliant urologist, you know, one of the top guys. And uh, yeah, I pull my pants down. He has a look. It takes him about 10 seconds. He said, that's cancer. Um, but I'm not going to treat you. I'm going to hand you on to another guy. Wow, whoa. So, so as, yeah, as, as these kind of really senior consultants are, they're very straightforward, very blunt. They know exactly what they're doing, super professional. Yeah, it's, it's like a different league from more junior doctors. You know, these guys and girls are really forthright. Yeah, and, and I, was, I was kind of relieved in a way that I knew what it was, even if... I kind of already knew, even if I had this deep dread. But it doesn't stop the ground kind of opening up beneath your feet. You don't really know. Everything after he'd said yeah. that, it was kind of a blur. You know, like you're, you, you don't really know where you are when somebody says that to you. But you don't expect to hear it when you're young. You know, I consider myself at 40 to be young. You don't expect to hear that when you're young, although many people do, sure, but not penile cancer. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's not something you expect. And, and time, time kind of stood still for a while. I'd got this piece of paper in my hand. I got the name of a guy that I needed to talk to. I needed to make an appointment with. And, you know, I kind of get to the car and I'm probably, I, I, I'm just... To, I totally break down in the car. I'm on my own. It's it's kind of relief and despair and kind of not knowing. It's just that fear of the unknown thing. And you do just lose it for a bit. And I thought, well, who am I going to call first? So I get on the phone to my wife. And typical gallows humour. You know, it's like, well, look, who's your life insurance with? Um, you better not fucking die. You know, all these kinds of things that typically come out. And within, I think it was the sound of my kids in the background, actually, that made me just think, well, this isn't really about me. Let's, you know, let, let's try and get to a point now where we know the direction we've got to move in. We've got a guy who's the best in the business at this thing. We're going to go and see him. And, um, you know, let's, let's get on with it. So, yeah, huge bombshell. The bottom of my world has dropped out, and then a ten-minute conversation with my wife. When, when they, when, when you, when you find out that it's, um, it's penile cancer, I like, I, I see a lot of similarities 
in other stories that we've heard of people who've been diagnosed with cancer where, you know, the, the floor drops out from under them. They, there, there's this feeling of despair. There's a feeling of, of feeling like some sense in knowing what's actually going wrong with them is comforting to us to, to a certain extent or as comforting as it can be in that moment. But I also imagine that, like, I, I kind of want to go into this area of the conversation. At first, when I thought about penile cancer, I was like, fuck, what is it? Like, even if, like, if I got cancer in my arm and had to have my arm amputated, that would fucking suck. But if my arm was amputated and I could get a prosthetic and I knew the cancer was gone, that would be, you know, it would be, you'd feel like you could yeah, live with you that. Another but one, now right? I'm thinking, like, if you get cancer in your penis, are they telling you that like, yeah, and you got another arm, but <laughs> if, uh, if you get cancer in your penis, like is, I mean, I don't know if what are the options? is, but like, do they, when they tell you that there's, there's treatment, like, are you worried about your, your ability to use your penis going forward? Like, I imagine that that would be something that that would be something that would go through my mind and it would and it would I scare suppose, the shit yeah, out of the me. first thing I've yeah I'm quite fortunate I've used it quite a lot in the past so I'm all, I'm all right with that I think oh fuck I'd miss it but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've got two kids um I could always piss in a bag I guess but you worry about all these things but you don't really know what to worry about until you've spoken to the guy that's going to be holding the knife you know and and of course you do you do worry about not having a cock because it's, it's, as a man, you know, it's kind of part of your whole identity. It's from the youngest age at school, that's going to be one of the things that identifies you, or at least it was for me. But, you know, it's like one of these things that is part of you, right? That it's such a part of a man's identity, whether he likes it mm -hmm. or knows it or not. It's, it's one of the things that defines him, rightly or wrongly. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. But first of all, I didn't actually, it wasn't a selfless thing, strangely. I thought to myself, well, I could already feel this dull ache in my groin. And I could feel like a marble-sized lump in my groin. And if you've got cancer and you Google metastasis or whatever, metastasis, however you pronounce that. If you, if you Google about the spread of cancer, right, it, it just mm -hmm. moves up your body. So from kind of you know, feet to head, it, cancer moves up the body in, in lymph nodes, typically. So if I got a primary cancer in the head of my cock and I got another one in my groin that I can feel, where the hell else is, is this cancer, right? So it wasn't a thought of let's save my cock. It's more where is this spread and what's going to happen? You know, how much of a problem is this going to be in the future? Yeah. So... And, and it, and it's like, I mean, it, like you, like as you saying that, how, you know, it kind of defines you, it's almost like this crossroads where, I mean, like you said, Jared, at the very beginning, it's like, you start to read, you read anything about, you read anything that has to do with, you know, a, an issue with your, with a penis and you, and you're like, you, you feel it. Ooh, yeah. And at the same time, cancer is such Ooh. a, is such a bigger thing, you know, something that can mm. threaten your not just your dick, exactly but your whole that, life, yeah. the, you know, life of your family, mm. you know, it has, has, and, and you're kind of at this crossroads where I'm sure it, like 
intuitively you're like, oh, but I want I want to save it. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, you're well, like, I, I, but it's I, so much bigger than yeah. that. I, no I mean, pun intended. On that note, then you know what what I I'm I'm dying to know like what is the you know, you, you you speak to the urologist. They they he basically is just like, well, that's that is a bunch of cancer seeping out of your hole, there, buddy. Like, what do you do from that moment forward? Like, what are, what is the treatment? What do they? What do they? You know, like do, do they do they radiate your cock? Like, oh, what, wow. what what happens? How do they right, fucking so, deal with it? So there's a there's a big thing. First off, you got to deal with the cancer, right? So I'll go and see the professor. Yeah, he's like the. The, the top man for penile cancer in Europe, certainly one of the best in the world. We're very fortunate to have him, a guy called Professor Nick Watkin. Is the professor his nickname? <laughs> no, no, he is or a he actually is a professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just <laughs> okay, a bloke okay, that cool. works in the butchers that does a bit. You know, he's a, yeah, he's a fully, <laughs> fully nailed on professor of urology. I think he's, um, he's also a urology professor, professor at the top teaching hospital. <laughs> he is. He is Professor Penis. He doesn't like being called that. So, yeah, we don't. But I go and see him, and it's brilliant. He brings out this big pad, and he starts drawing pictures of cocks on the pad. And I thought, this is my kind of conversation. I like this. I, I can do that, you know. So he draws these pictures, and he says, like, I, I think you've got a tumour here. And he, he draws a picture of this outline of this tumour on the head of my cock. And he said, look, what we might have to do, we're going to give you a circumcision first of all, so you're definitely going to be circumcised by the time this is all over. And if that tumour is in the head of your penis, in the spongy bit, we'll have to cut it out and we'll have to put a skin graft on it. Yeah, so we'll have to cut out a skin graft out of my arse or out of my thigh and have to stitch that on. He said, sometimes it's trapped in the foreskin. And if it is, and if there's no margin, you'll just be circumcised. And fortunately for me, there was just a one and a half inch tumour trapped in my foreskin. And there was only, a, I think it was a tenth of a millimetre of margin or something between cancerous skin and not, so I got really lucky. Whoa. But then, in my groin, there was a tumour the size of a tennis ball. Whoa. And this cancer had grown quick. It was so aggressive. So they're taking out this inch and a half thick, like a juicy earthworm, you know, really thick. Mm. And, uh, and, yeah, the one in the groin was the size of a tennis ball, so we mined that out. And they cut that out and they clear wow. out all your lymph nodes and they see how many lymph nodes in that side of the body have got disease in them. So they took out this massive ball of kind of cancer, big tennis ball, and they took out the primary tumour and then they cleared out all the other lymph nodes, checked them for positivity, and I think one of, one of them was positive. So once that's done and you get a big drain bottle to go home with, so you get this really long pipe that goes down your leg and it sucks up all the lymphatic fluid that would normally be, in, be dealt with by your lymph nodes. And that's your actual primary work done. So I had a ridiculous dressing on my cock, this big, thick, like a sausage roll. And I couldn't piss yeah. after yeah. surgery. So they had to put a catheter in after surgery. And bearing in mind, it's like I've put my dick through a mincer. They've then put this catheter in so I could piss. And there was like a litre and a half of fluid in my bladder, so they had to get it out. Otherwise, there'd have been even more trouble. But I get out of the hospital in three days' time. 
On my way home, my wife and kids come and pick me up. On my way home, I start to hemorrhage, you know, so it's a very vascular area. So all oh, of this blood no. is pouring out of my cock where all the circumcision oh scars are. Oh. I tell you what, it, and, oh. and it's, it's amazing. You know, it's just, it bleeds and then it almost clots immediately. So um, oh, just God. to be incredibly descriptive about this, I've got this kind of skirt yes, please. of thick Go blood. Yes, please around the bottom of the, um, what do they call it, a glans, if you were the head of the penis, I've got this big skirt of thick mm -hmm. blood. It's like strawberry jam. And every time I move it, more blood comes along and pushes this kind of ring of thick blood out. Anyway, wow. I, after a while, and liberal use of Vaseline and kitchen roll, it finally clots around the bits where it's all sewed up. And... Yeah, I have to use this eye cream thing and some Vaseline all over the head of the penis to stop it drying out. And I think, I quite like the look of that. You know, it's like I've got this new porn star cock. I quite like the look of this whole circumcise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks, looks really good John, in tight jeans. I, John, yeah. I, I have to jump in here because you are giving me... you. I am getting PTSD flashbacks. I was, I was circumcised when I was, when I was 17 years old. And I wow, went through, okay. I, I, I've, actually, I've actually erased a lot of those memories, and they're all flooding back to me now. The only difference between your story and mine is that I had, <laughs> embarrassingly enough, had my mother, uh, who's also a nurse, be the one who was, like, dressing and undressing my, my, my penis. And uh, <laughs> it, it, but I will say this as well. After the circumcision, I started looking at my dick going, God damn, that's a good looking dick. I like I love I the fact that I have a circumcised penis now. I it's it's a I have a, it's a beautiful dick. I love my dick. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan, are you the I same? Know, are you, I, you feeling the same way? Are you like post 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 op? Are you are you do you have a do you do you like your dick a little bit more now? Or I I, I really like look. I didn't mind it before. It's you know, a horrible ugly thing. But to now, I look at it and I think, oh, yeah, I quite like that. It's quite a pretty little thing that I got there. You know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm but saying. Quite, but it's quite unusual. In the UK, at least, it's quite unusual. And, and I was brought up in the country. I was brought up in a kind of East Coast port town. Yeah, it's very unusual that anyone circumcised. It doesn't happen routinely in the UK. Mm. And I only actually found out at 40 years old that my dad had been circumcised. I found out finally when I was 40. But it's really oh, rare here in the UK that um, anyone gets circumcised at all, really, unless it's for kind of cultural did he, or religious well, I mean, reasons. Did he tell you why he didn't circumcise? Like, because I, I, feel, I feel like circumcision is inherited. You're like, ah, let me now pass this on. To, like, yeah. It has been, yeah, I agree. it served well, me well. Maybe not, maybe, not, maybe not so much anymore. I think, I think it, I, I, and rightfully so, I think it's one of those things that, that honestly should be phased out Unless, unless it has to, and, and, unless you know, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to be too controversial here, but like, even for religious purposes, it's like, come on, let, like we're, we're talking why, about human why are we mutilation chopping, Why are we chopping dicks Why are we chopping here? dicks? Yeah. Like, like let's grow up. Yeah, yeah. It's 2021. Um, but, unless you have phimosis. But, but, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. If, if, if there is a medical yeah. issue, that makes sense to me. Any, anything outside of that is, is pretty fucked up. You know, like, I would agree. what are we doing? Chopping babies' penises? Like, get the fuck. Like, get <laughs> out of here with that. That's so weird. It is, it's, 
It is weird. It but, is weird. But, uh, but, I, but I having said no. that, I will also say it's a, it, it, it fucking looks a lot better. Uh, I, no, no offense to anyone who's who's uncut. Uh, it just looks better cut. Okay, uh, just gonna say it. I've, yeah, I, that's your opinion. But but uh, I I do I am curious though because it seems like uh, there's only it seems like there's only challenges that come with having an uncircumcised penis in the sense that you could end up with phimosis. Or, you know, like John had a, you know, maybe it was a, maybe it was a good thing that John had uh, cancer in the foreskin that could be removed. Maybe if he didn't have that foreskin, it would have started somewhere else where, you know, what it could have caused more damage. But to me, it seems mostly like foreskin causes problems, but I also don't know what is like, what what is the, the thing? Not typically. And also what is the, what are the negative consequences of circumcision too? I don't know well, what the answer is. No for, for kids, you know, people actually die having circumcision operations, which are probably totally yeah. unnecessary. So, yeah, I think that's the, that's the big deal, that if you're having unnecessary procedures and people are dying from complications of anaesthetic or you know, just the surgery itself, then yeah, you probably shouldn't be having elective and optional surgery on things like that. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a crazy thing. I wouldn't have it any other way now. I think, yeah, I I much prefer being so. That seems to be yeah. the uh, yeah. that seems to be the general uh, mm-hmm. the general consensus. I mean, yeah, I mean, I uh, don't ever do it, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Gonna, the... I mean, I'm not gonna go and do it. You know, like... well, well, I, but you know what? You might like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a statement. See, I feel biased. I feel I feel biased towards the other way, but it's definitely because I have foreskin. So it's hard yeah. for me to say that that I think it would look better. Than I can it. see yeah, the aesthetic. I can see better. the aesthetic appeal. Yeah, it's nice. It's a little, you know, it's a little, it's a little creature looking with with foreskin. Yes. but only when you're yeah. only when you're soft. When you're when you're hard, I feel like it makes a penis look more uniform. Yeah. And when you're when you're okay. when you're hard with. Uh, without foreskin, it looks a little bit more mushroomy, right. which to me uh, looks a little bit no, weirder. No, uh, no, yeah, that's I'm, true. Where does no. the skin I'm, I'm go really then? Mushroomy. Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love where this is going. <laughs> it has, a, it has know, like but, a little but, dent in like, where I, where the foreskin. I think this and, is a good. I think this is a good segue, Brian. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up the uh, the 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 visual of an erect penis, uh, because I, I. So, John, I take it that that the in terms of like what actually happened to your to your Jonathan Little. I sorry, I had to say it. Your name is sounds like something you'd call a penis. So it, it, Jonathan Little, uh, your Jonathan Little got circumcised. And and so was there was there anything I've else that, that was there any, was there anything else that happened to your penis? Or was it simply just the circumcision um, in terms of like simply uh, uh, I, quote unquote, simply, uh, in terms of uh, you know what what they had to technically do to you to remove the cancer from the penis was it just the circumcision? Yeah. So, so yeah, the per- yeah, the so the the circumcision got rid of the primary tumor. So yeah, as I said, it was like a tenth of a mil of margin or something. It was tiny mm. margin, but everything was in this this kind of big skinny cock hat. Um, everything was in there, you know, this, this sort of bit of diseased skin. And then, oh, I paint a picture with my words, don't I? We, we've got this, you really do. I've also got this 
I've got this hole in my groin as well, so they've burrowed out right. my groin. I've kind of mined for... So did that Did that have an effect on your ability to... Like, how, how did that affect your, your libido? How did that affect your ability to get erect? How did that affect your... your like, did that affect your sex life? Strangely, I got more... I, I even had erections with a catheter in. And oh. that's incredible. Yeah. I've never known pain like that, by the way. It's like oh having your God. cock on a rail, you know? Oh, so <laughs> yeah, 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 really yeah. frequent and strong erections, you know, all the time. And I think, <laughs> I, I don't know if in the past some kind of weird thing going on, because the foreskin's like uh, two-ply, and I don't know if in the past, yeah, that, that's kind of been holding it back, if you like, but... Um, yeah, no problem wow. with erections at all. Loads more blood flow in that area. And I think it's because, yeah, you, your body just rushes, your, your blood just rushes towards trauma, doesn't it? So it knows there's something going on <laughs> right. there and it kind of pumps more blood in the area. But even when I was kind of on my deathbed with sepsis, later on in the story, even when I was on my deathbed, if you like. Oh, my God. Um, I was still getting these really strong erections. So, yeah, no problem with that. I think, as you know, as you'll know move. with the kind of circumcision bit, it is tender. And, you know, it takes a while before you can kind of shut it in a door and, you know, hit, hit things with it. But it's, yeah, it's not... Um, yeah, that wasn't the problem at all. More problems came from kind of deeper surgery and things like lymphedema and getting infected and, yeah, going to hospital with sepsis and stuff. Far more problems from that than actually having any kind of penis problem. I mean, you dropped the sepsis, the sepsis bomb. How does all, how does all that start? Is that just a, is that just a product of, of, of infection for like post-surgery? Yeah, so so let's imagine I've got this massive five or six inch gash in my groin and it's got a dressing over it. But then just above that, I've got holes in my stomach where a pipe goes all the way through, through my groin, down my leg to soak up all the lymphatic fluid. And there's basically an open wound with a crappy dressing on it that sits around where the pipe goes in. And yeah, I got infected... And the whole of my legs went purple. So I got this cellulitis oh. thing. And it was the day before I was meant to go in for some staging for robotic surgery on my pelvis. And so I turned up to, I turned up to the hospital and I was kind of white as a sheet and I was throwing up. I was throwing up this like neon green stuff. Had a huge temperature. I think I was 41 degrees, really ill. And I'd managed to get myself across town to Wimbledon, to St. George's Hospital. Uh, I'd gone by tube. I was really ill. And oh. so I turn up in what they call the surgical admissions lounge. And I'm thrown up in the toilet and I'm not well. And the professor and some of his top boys come out and say, yeah, you're not well at all. You're going to have to be admitted. So I, so I get admitted into this hospital in southwest London. Um, and... <laughs> And I am seriously, I'm in a bad way now, really bad way. You know, I've got... And you're um, supposed to go into surgery. pressure and... Well, yeah, they, clearly they cancelled the surgery and they admit me with this, you know, really bad infection. And I stay at St George's for three days getting treated for this thing, getting pumped full of IV antibiotics and, 
you know, all kinds of other things until I can breathe properly again, until I, my heart rate's normal. And yeah, one of the big complications is getting infected. So even something like an ingrown toenail or a scratch in your leg, if you've had mm -hmm. cancer surgery in your groin, any kind of groin surgery, you open yourself up to be quite susceptible to bad infection. So I've actually been admitted twice, amazingly, a few months apart. Our friend, uh, our our friend Brandon also had uh, cancer that uh, spread to it was in his uh, thigh and then spread up up his leg and uh, and he actually had mm. sepsis mm -hmm. um, I think a couple times but I I didn't know that it was more common in that region but I guess if you're if you're removing lymph nodes at all then because is lymph nodes are where the lymph is stored and that. That's where white blood cells are like basically fighting off no infections idea. in your body. No idea. So imagine nodes really as filters. So you've got this your lymphatic system. There's more miles of lymphatic system than any other kind of pipeway in your body, and mm -hmm. it it moves this really protein rich fluid through your body, and it filters all all the waste. So these nodes are really important for kind of filtering away waste and moving waste away into areas they can be processed. It goes all the way up to your tonsils, this lymphatic fluid. So when it's disrupted, it can find a different path, but it takes a while to do that. It takes a while to build these new pathways and essentially move everything that would go up the front of your body round to the back of your body. So when I feel mm. ill, for example... You, I can really feel all of the lymphatic system in the back of my legs working overtime. And since, you know, since I've got fit again and started to run again and do more kind of fitness work generally, it's, it takes a big toll. You definitely suffer from lymphedema. Yeah, I think most people who have had cancer treatment will, you know, will is that is that a permanent? Is challenges. that something that you'll deal with for forever or, or is there an end to that? Um, I don't know. I would say that currently it's managed pretty well. So I've made a huge point of losing a load of weight, of doing a lot more work on the road, you know, a lot more running and jogging, loads of walking, a lot of strength work, just to try it. Because lymphatic fluid has moved through your muscles, oh, your muscles help move it up the body anyway, I need to do more and more work to just kind of push it up. As far as I can see at the moment, I've kind of got this problem under control. But for many people, it is an absolutely permanent thing. And it, it, it's a real blight on their life as well. In terms of uh, uh, the surgery and the, rest, and the rest of the treatment of the cancer, do they, is, it, is, it, is it basically just the surgery to remove uh, those lymph nodes and the things in, that, in, the, in your groin? And your foreskin, or do they do they do uh, radiation as well with that treatment? Oh yeah. So, so before you get to that point, they have to complete the staging. So um, they checked my left groin first, and unfortunately, they found one positive node in my left groin. So they had to clear all of that out as well, and then I had to spend another few weeks with a with a drain bottle, um, and then. <laughs> Because they don't know how far north it's gone, they have to take all your pelvic nodes out as well. And because I was in hospital with sepsis, that one got cancelled. 
and I had to come back a few weeks later after I'd recovered and had that had that lymphatic surgery. And my my um, that was to complete the staging. So if they'd have found anything in those lymph nodes in my pelvis, I, yeah, I'd have potentially been in a situation where it was incurable, but it could be managed. Um, but fortunately, they didn't find anything positive in my pelvis. And um, then I moved on to chemo radiation. So you have radiotherapy. I had it for five or six weeks every day. And then I had chemotherapy once a week, a big heavy dose of kind of cisplatin, um, which, you know, makes you feel like shit, but it, it prevents recurrence in those areas. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. John, you, you, you seem to have, um, you know, you, you obviously have a really, really uh, incredible sense of humor when it comes to the, like, rather intense and kind of like, dare I say, horrifying experience that you've, you've gone through. Um, <laughs> And yeah. which I think is like I think is pretty pretty commendable and pretty amazing that you're that you are able to find the humor in it. You know, it's like um, I think that especially with something uh, something that you know, like you said earlier, you, the, the penis is such a it's for a lot of men it's such an it's such a uh, intrinsic part of your identity, and and so I. Uh, but I can't help but wonder how how this may have taken a toll on your on your mental health. Like, what what was the? I, I mean, d- during during the entire event, even up till now, like how how has this kind of had an effect on on your mental health, or or has it? You know, I, I, again, you, you have that you seem so cavalier and and. Um, and lighthearted about it, but but I I I can it's only imagine there's experience. there's yeah it's a pretty traumatic fucking experience. So like how how was all of that? Yeah, and I think I'm I'm typically somebody who who would be known as having their shit together, really. So I'm I'm pretty level headed and I'm pretty logical on most things. And I think if there's a scientific response for something, I'll always go with that thing first. I'm not an overly emotional person. And I think this has actually, as a, as a kind of whole experience, it has kind of helped me to understand a bit more about me and how I, how I approach problems. I think I come from a long line of stoics and difficult, determined people. I think it's just, just who we are, and I think that helps in a way. But in terms of the mental health bit, I don't think I was ever worried. Once I'd met the professor... I probably wasn't too worried about death after that. And it was just about wow. treatment. So, but 
there's always something in the back of my mind and it comes around scan time. So every eight to 12 weeks, I go and have a scan and there's a period around scan time and like this scanxiety thing is quite famous in cancer patients in that mm. there's a point in time where logic just disappears. You don't, you're not able to rationalise your feelings, yeah? You, you can't sleep wild thoughts come into your head you know what if it's come back what if they haven't found something um if it grows as quickly as it did last time you know i'll have a i'll have a tumor the size of a brick on my stomach you know these kinds of things this, this total irrationality and kind of crippling fear you know comes along at scan time i've just had another scan i had one last week and, yeah, it's all good news, no evidence of disease, all of that, which is great. I've been, like, a year in remission now. But mm. it doesn't ever get any easier. So, yeah, every three months or so, sometimes shorter, you get that call. And I say, look, you've got to come in for a scan. And then it starts until they've reviewed it and everything's fine again. But, yeah, you, you kind of, you're free for three months at a time. And I think that is the biggest toll on your mental health. You get frustrated with things and lymphedema and kind of scrotal edema. At one point, my bollocks were the size of an outstretched hand. That's oh. deeply frustrating. Wow. With radiotherapy, I got a huge burn on my groin and I got a four-inch kind of burn scab right down the middle of my cock where the radiotherapy machine had burnt it. And because you're getting trauma, they kind of swell up and the lymph can't move around it properly and it's it's frustrating but you know because you've seen things improve and then change and improve and change I kind of had faith in my body that it would sort itself out and the professor was kind of confident it would sort itself out so those frustrations and getting yeah, getting kind of chafing and ridiculous things that shouldn't happen to a 40 year old those kinds of things frustrate you and they kind of upset you but nothing takes a toll on mental health more than scan time for me that that's the difficult bit i'm an absolute fucker to everybody around me for a few days Do you, in, in terms Definitely. of how um you know you just mentioned there about how the skinxiety like affects your relationship with your your family like do you like how was this whole process on uh I'm interested in your in your relationship with with your wife and and you know you mentioned that you had two young kids like how did you have you been talking about this with them um at the beginning you you mentioned that uh you were just totally transparent with your wife through the the STI check process but um do you have a conversation about how you feel when it comes scan time or is that something that just kind of goes without saying at this point? Yeah, I think it goes without saying. I'd say that I haven't ever told my kids anything about cancer at all. I think the time will come to have that conversation. Mm. Mm. Um, there's no doubt that they'll do schoolwork about it at some point and we'll talk about it and we'll talk about my experience with it. And the the time will come for that chat. I think... With everybody else, as um, a couple of days before uh, I went for surgery, so I think the day after I was diagnosed, 
I came out to everybody I knew and said, look, I've got cancer. It's this kind of cancer. This is going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. I'll keep you updated. And that's kind of how the blog started. So I would write everything I felt and I would um, kind of let everybody know and I would manage my whole message, you know. So I said, look, this is how it's going to be. It's nothing else. Mm. I'm not leaving anything. I'm just telling you everything I know and everything I feel. Um, and it was kind of a message. It, it, it was kind of letters to everybody I know. Imagine it like that. You know, I'm, I'm telling you something. I'm going to give you time to reflect on it. And I'm just going to tell you how I feel. And you can decide how to deal with that. And, mm. of course, there's lots of shock initially. But the people that know me know how I deal with things. And I know I'm a pretty... A uh, tough individual, quite a resilient individual anyway, right? So if I say something that they're kind of going to believe it as I've said it, because I don't leave anything out. And mm-hmm. I think my wife and I have a, yeah, we, we've always had a passionate relationship. We're very passionate people. We will speak about any subject with passion. And this whole thing with me kind of having a, a a weakness, not being the kind of strong person that I normally am, totally self-assured, totally determined, totally single-minded. Yeah, it's probably quite unusual. should never have seen that in the 17 years or whatever we've been together. So mm. it's quite an unusual experience for her to see me not the person that she knows or anybody else knows, really. Um mm. So, yeah, it's you, I, I made a point of kind of just writing everything down and then people can take it or leave it. What I didn't want is the kind of rumour mill to start, you know, the, the whole kind of school playground rumour mill to start and people to kind of write a new narrative for me because it's not theirs, mm. you know, and I, I wanted to make sure that I was telling my own story my way. You know, a lot of people, one of the biggest through all the people that we've t- talked to, uh, you know, who, who, who tend to be on the more vocal side of, of talking about their cancer experience because they're, they're on the show to talk about it. it the, that telling people and, like, coming out to, you know, the people in their lives, their friends, their family, like, that's a really daunting experience and although doing something like writing a blog could prob- can probably seem like even more daunting, it serves this purpose exactly like you said, John, of going of of being able to do to do it on your terms mm. and not necessarily have to cater it to the person that you're talking to that individual and like and not have it. to not have to con- constantly repeat yeah. it and not have to and change yeah. it for their yeah. sake. Yeah, but you can yeah. just you can just say it exactly true to mm. yourself, put it out there, you know. That then then it's there for everybody to know if they if they want if they want to if they want to indulge in if they want to if they want to take that on uh, and and then you and then you know you don't have to apologize for it and mm. and it and it's just, it's a one and done and it's very authentic versus you know having to tell you know a hundred people over it and is over again. people can also they can look at these. You know, they can look at these words and they can say, you know, that they don't have to respond to it immediately. They can think about what's been mm. said, what's been written. 
and they can come back in their own time. Because if you have a conversation with somebody, especially about cancer, this is a huge subject for people to take in. You know, mm -hmm. different people deal with it in different ways. And it's so much easier just to write it down, let them process it. Yeah, 100%. I, I, uh, I just want to point out the, the blog that we are referring to is... Uh, is your blog, www.nob.blog. And um, it is, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's uh, fucking hilarious. Uh, the glossary, I think, is probably my favorite part of the entire thing. Um, uh, I, you know, as, as an Englishman, you, you, go, you go pretty deep on, on some, like, English terms. My favorite part here is, uh, actually, I'll just ask you: What is what? What? What is bollocks? Bollocks. So um, the bollocks are the whole kind of scrotal region. So it's it's the ball bag, the scrotal sac, as well as the testicles. So yes, yeah, so it's that whole region. But you know, you can use bollocks as a kind of pejorative. You can use it in all kinds of English phraseology, really. If you drop right. something on your foot, you might say Got bollocks. It. Got it. Yeah. yeah that so of. yeah, you have bollocks in the knob blog glossary there, and then underneath that, you have balls, which just says "see bollocks," uh, <laughs> nuts, see bollocks. Uh, then you've got then you've got cock, and the definition that you've put for cock is just penis, and then dick, see cock, knob, see cock. And then love stump, seacock. Um, uh, there are a couple other words that I want to ask you uh, for your definition. Um, uh, let's go with uh, uh, Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Oh wow! Yeah. So loved by toddlers all over all over the UK. Um, yeah, Peppa Pig is a big, big favourite. Cartoon Pig, Brother George, Mummy Pig, Daddy Pig, uh, Grandpa Pig. Uh, Mr. Bull, clearly, huge characters. Um, and yeah, they've even got their own theme park where I first discovered that I had uh, mm. a very itchy cock, indeed. My no, nephew that's... my nephew is a, is a massive Peppa Pig fan. I, I heard that uh, right. apparently in the United States, actually, um, a bunch of young kids are starting to develop uh, English accents because they watch so much Peppa Pig. Did you, no say, way, really? did you just say kids in the UK are developing English USA. accents? In the USA. Uh, oh. I, say, I said oh. USA, I think. Oh. Um, <laughs> I got a couple more here. How about wank? Wank, it's it's really masturbation. But you can have uh, different... just straight wank. Yeah. Just wank. Just just mass yeah, masturbation. You can have a wank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see I see there's also I see there's also there's also cheeky wank. Yeah, a cheeky wank could be a faster one. Probably in somebody else's house or at work. Yeah. And then know. and then a, <laughs> uh, a and then and then a wank bank? A wank bank. Well a wank bank, that's very important. That's, oh, a, that's we a just collection. like the spank bank. Yes, yeah. So it's a collection of images that you might store. Um, that have happened throughout your life that you need to summon up the urge for a wank. You say that so elegantly. <laughs> I like it sounds very summon it sounds very responsible and and uh I don't know, you sound like a bit of a statesman when you describe yeah. what a wank bank is. How, how about uh how about fun zone? Fun zone. Well, this could be a male or a female term, and it's it's the whole kind of it's, it's the whole genital area. For you know, that's the fun zone. Yeah, we might say that. And then, how about business district? Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same as a fun zone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite. I'm, right, guys, um, this is, and then this I, is got, I got one more. I, 
I've got one more. Uh, and actually, this is I've actually never heard this at, uh, before. On my tits. Oh, when something gets on your tits, it's when something upsets you or irritates you. It's like you could be watching daytime TV and you could say, oh, oh. Piers Morgan, he gets right on my tits. Oh, in, in, in Canada, we say word. on my nerves, but I would way rather <laughs> on say on my tits. On my tits is great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's a wheelie copter? <laughs> oh, Willie Cotter, right. It's, 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 where you can, it's where you stand, and it's where you can move your cock around like the rotors of a helicopter. Yeah? So you play Willie Copters by moving <laughs> your cock around like that. A windmill. <laughs> you need this on the Canadian oh, way of life. God. Well, <laughs> again, folks, uh, knob.blog is the, uh, the name of the blog. Jonathan, um, this has been a real treat to sit down and to to shoot the shit with you and to hear your story. It's, I mean, it's, you know, this was, uh, this was one of those recordings that I think all three of us were, uh, very excited, but also very tentatively, um, uh, a, a bit, a bit unease, uh, uneased with the idea of going into it. Uh, but you've, you've, you, you did it, you, you did it gently. You brought us in gently. Anyway. Easily one of my favorite sick boy episodes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty goddamn fun. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much, man. It really does mean a lot. Thank you. Uh... Yeah, that was uh, that was wild. That was a wild conversation about penile cancer. How about that? That was truly. I don't want to say jaw dropping. I want to say something about dicks. Ball exploding. It yeah. was truly dick exploding. I found it was kind of hard to have, but then after a while, it got easier because, like, we got towards the end when we finished, and it just felt a little bit more. Wow. You know, yeah. Yeah. Flaccid. Uh, cheerio, everybody. Blimey. Uh, ch- chuff to me muffs. And, and I'm so and, muffed. And dock it to the fucking queen. You know what I mean? So that's how we're all feeling here. And we're glad that you tuned in this week. And, uh, and uh, also a uh, big shout out to, uh, to Jonathan Little. That is such a penis name. It is such a penis name. <laughs> and, right. and when he said, and I got to say this, when he said he'd never heard that before, I thought to myself, that's impossible. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> um, folks, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Obviously we did. It was so fun. Um, and if you thought that was fun, holy shit, wait till Friday. And then the Monday after that. And Friday and Monday, all the way till the apocalypse. Uh, we are on all the places you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the CBC Listen app. And if you have ever had a piece of your dick chopped off that wasn't at birth for circumcision or for cancer, let us know, because we want to hear about all the weird and wonderful ways that dicks have been uh, chopped off and mutilated through the ages, oh and, God, uh, no and, and we want to hear your story. <laughs> so if you have one of those stories, you can send it to letters at sickboypodcast.com, and we will read it. And we will certainly make a lot of strange faces as we do that. And if you want to be one of our wonderful guests, like uh, Sir Jonathan Little, 
<laughs> I believe he's I believe he's knighted by the Queen. Um, you can do that by going to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and uh, and fill out the form there, the guest form. You should be if you go through that with your with your with your Jonathan Little, you should be knighted. And you know what? I just watched The Crown and I feel really close to the Queen. I feel like I could reach out and put in a good word for Jonathan. Hmm. Do you think do you think that Jonathan Little hung out with Robin Hood because wasn't there like Friar Tuck uh, and mm. wasn't there a Little John? I feel like there was a I Little John in think There in was Robin, a Little right? John. And he's John Little, so maybe he is him. You know what I'm saying? You like, re- I mean? like reincarnated? Maybe, maybe he is... Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Was this is the sound of Are Brian? You saying wait, like as in this wait, the, wait, fix this in post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this is the sound of Brian trying to backtrack wait, and wait, figure wait. out Just what he's uh, saying. No, wait. Just, oh, wait, 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 edit that part out. I wait, want, I want, let me try it wait, again. Wait, was there a Robin Hood where they were actually foxes? Do you know the cartoon Robin Hood? Anyway. Guys, thank God me. for people like Donovan, the Meerkat Morgan, who does the amazing sound design and just cut out about 30 seconds of me trying to figure out what it was that I was saying. Uh, thanks to the amazing co-producer of the show, Lauren Sankey, and the other two producers and hosts that I'm sitting here with right now, Tiller McGilvery and Jeremy Saunders. Thanks to our manager, Jeff Lonis, for being an amazingly beautiful human being. And thanks to Take Part for the theme music. Folks, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. I actually did that by accident. <laughs> For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.